Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint, and with me today, Jay Harvey. Jim, it is great to be back. Thanks for having me. Always glad to be in your company, Jay, because you know what? I think you're a really smart guy. You're bright, you're fun, and you're deep. Hey, can I get a recording of this so I can send it out to some people? I promise you. You know what? Give me your phone number. I'll talk to your wife about that, too, because she's got some question marks last time I talked to her. No, not so much. Well placed. But all that said, we are in a series here, and you've been a partner in this journey talking about a phrase called pure love and how right. that captures something we all want. Right. You know, last week I was asking you what comes to mind when I say the words pure love and mm-hmm. you you just kind of went to puppy love. Yeah. The kind of purity of that elementary stage of relationship where you know what, you're, you don't have anything to gain or right. lose except you're just experiencing the moment and it feels so good and I want to be blessed and be a blessing. Yes. That's pure love, a right. kind of puppy love. I think as we grow older, we also have a more mature view of that because I know that there are some things the world would describe as love that I've experienced, but I've had kind of a a second narrative to that where I I wanted that love. I wanted to give some love, but I wanted to get some too. I mean, I'm manipulating the relationship because I have an adult need to kind of be in control or to, to get something out of it. And that, of course, has compromised the purity of the relationship. Exactly. Pure love is that unconditional, amazing, more like puppy love, I think, that we believe is possible even in the here and now. And this pure love idea comes from a man who passed away in the first decades of the 20th century, but it's an idea that I think is still worth talking about, and Mm. that's what we're doing today on Viewpoint. Jay Harvey, have you heard the name Samuel Logan Bringle? I have. What do you know about him? I know that he was a part of the Salvation Army movement. I know that he was a deep thinker and a writer. And I also know that he had an experience once that he talks about in which he wanted more. He wanted to experience uh, Christ in, in, in its in his fullness, uh, whatever that meant. So he surrendered to that and cried out. And then he explained an experience that he had where he experienced this pure love, this peace that passes all understanding, and got a glimpse of what it what it is like to be at one with, with God or experience this pure love. And he said the love just overflowed in that moment. He loved everyone he saw. He loved the bugs. He stepped over insects so that he wouldn't hurt them. I mean, it was just this, this purity that came over him. And it's an inspirational thing to think about and to read in some of his uh, devotional books that he wrote, which I know that you're reading, and causes us to think, how in the world can I get some of that? And that's the Bringle I've come to understand also. A guy who was very, very bright. I mean, really a great intellect. And he had an intellectual comprehension of a systemic theology. I mean, he, mm. he wrestled with the idea, is there a God? And he came to the conclusion, yes, there is. And then how can I know that God? Well, then he decided that Jesus was the best revealer of that God, and he learned about Jesus, and he decided to be a Jesus follower. I mean, he mm-hmm. went through all the steps kind of in an analytic, logical way. He grew up in a rough and tumble world. It wasn't easy for him, and it wasn't the natural outcome. But in the end, as a young adult man, he does have this intellectual grasp. But as you described, he wanted more. Right. He wanted a kind of experience, not just a head game. Right. And as he just cried out to heaven, he had this moment where he just felt like he was clothed by the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, as you described, he just he loved everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looked at the sky, he said. He looked at the plants, the animals, the people, everything. And he just was at peace with himself completely. It was, in his view, 
the complete acceptance and love of God overflowing mm. in him yes. that naturally then oozed out of himself towards everything and right. everyone else in his world. And then he was launched on a career, really, of helping people understand how that could be a way of life. Not just a moment, right. not just something you made a footnote in your diary. No, this is a way of life. Yes, and I'm so glad that you phrased it in that way, that, that it was more of a realization from God's mercy to allow his pure love to kind of flow through Bringle in a way that then came out. And, and that is always the way that the peace that we talk about, the joy that we talk about is not something that you can seek and manufacture. It's usually when we stop and remember, surrender, and allow God, God to love us in the way that he's already promised. And then that it just has that natural effect on us that it starts to come out of us. It's very difficult. Uh, I always used to tell my congregation, it's very difficult to spend quality time with God and His Word and praying and receiving that love and grace and then to turn around and be mad at somebody. It, it just doesn't work that way. And so God's always offering that. I think it's us who moves and us who uh, always need to be in a position to turn back to receive it. And we often think about love as a kind of gift to others, and it is. But Brinkle's argument is that your own state of being, your own life is enhanced mm. when you walk in this pure love. You have a sense of security and peace, sure-footedness, hope, and just life that I think we all long for but sometimes miss. Mm. When we come back, uh, Jay, let's talk about one of the passages in the Bible that Bringle just saw with fresh eyes yes. that helps us understand how we can actually live in that kind of pure, holy love. Anyone who understands the God of the Bible knows that God revealed in the Scripture is a God of promises. I mean, He, he makes promises. Mm -hmm. He's not a deal-maker. In other words, right. he, he doesn't have to wheel and deal with us. He just says, here's the order of the universe. <laughs> I have made it. There are some things that will happen as a consequence of my design. And the nature of my own heart and being is to bless and to honor, and therefore I'm promising you. And so there are all kinds of promises in the Bible that we can hold on to. One of the most famous stories in the Bible deals with a, a seminal promise to a guy named Abram, who later is called Abraham. He's known in the scripture as the friend of God. No small kind right. of signature there, right. the friend of God. Abram lives in a far country. The Lord intervenes in his life and promises him a family of which he does not have any descendants at the time, but he's promised he's going to have some children who will replicate. He's going to have this big descendant line that's going to be quite vast. And furthermore, there's going to be a promised land that this family can call home. That's part of the promise that Abram receives one day in his developmental stage. And the scripture tells us that Abram is kind of dared by the promise because he doesn't see how it can happen. I, <laughs> right. I don't have any kids. It doesn't look like I'm going to have any. I've been married already for a season and it's not happening, Mr. God. And He's furthermore... tried all the online dating. You know, <laughs> that's you right. Know, you know... You know uh, uh, all that online matchmaking stuff's not happening. And anyway, he has a wife and he's got all that going, but nothing's working in terms of the conceiving of a child line. And then right. there's this whole prospect of another land. How can I get there? How can I receive it? That's just beyond the pale. I just, I don't get it. But as the Lord reassures him, he finally makes a decision. He says, I'm going to 
accept by faith that what you are impressing upon my heart, God, is good, mm. it's righteous, it's noble, and I'm just going to believe that, yes, I can trust you, that it will happen. I don't know how it will happen. I can't make it happen. I'm just going to give myself to you knowing that somehow, some way, your promise will be fulfilled. That, that is a huge part of the unfolding revelation of God as he tells us that story, preserved for millennia now. Mm. Now, that story is retold in the New Testament. It's cited often, and it is in its original form found in Genesis chapter 15. And I know you have some important verses here, and these are verses that Bringle really, really held on to. Genesis chapter 15, verses 6 to 11. I know it's in front of you, Jay. What does it say? And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Verse 9, the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. Verse 11, some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abram chased them away. Now it's kind of a Graphic narrative. <laughs> it is. Because we're not accustomed in these days to the uh, killing of animals as an act of worship. But in an ancient world, uh, before there was Jesus and a cross, blood was right. the very important uh, symbol of, of redemption. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a whole theology behind this that makes a lot of sense when you dive into it. But fundamentally, when we are separated from God, when we sin, when we do wrong, when we are after our own will and not the will of our maker, we are separated from God. And the consequence of that is always death. I mean, the scripture tells us that, that the the wages of sin, the outcome of sin is always death. And so in the sacrificial offering of an animal, the blood becomes this representational reality. It is a bit messy. It is horrifying in a way. But in the killing of the animal, there's a reminder. My sin has really a negative consequence. It, it leads to death, not life. Why don't I just cooperate with God? Why don't I just honor him mm. instead of trying to go across the grain with him? And so the sacrificial modality is deeply steeped in this ancient world. But the sacrifice represents Abram's obedience. It's, it's his gift to God. I, I'm doing what you asked. I'm, I'm representing the reality that I know that it is only by my obedience to you and my faith in you that in the offering of the sacrifice that this blood is shed in some way a shadow of what one day will be a complete remedy for my failure and sin. We don't any longer sacrifice animals as they did before the cross because the shed blood of Christ is the real deal. It's not a shadow. It's not a representational. Right. It actually did the job. Right. But in the New Testament, it still talks about sacrifices. Can you think of a passage where we are asked to make a sacrifice and of what? Yeah, Jim, in the New Testament, 
offer ourselves as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And this is a directive of Paul, the Apostle Paul. And of course, Paul isn't talking about us being splayed open on a rock altar. He's talking about the deeper and more significant concept that I want to surrender my life to God so that my whole life is a kind of offering. Right. Because I know that in so doing, I'm going to find pure love. I'm going to find life as God intended it by allowing myself to be the sacrifice. And mm. you see, Abram's sacrifice in the Old Testament economy was a shadow of what Christ would do on the cross. But also, it's a bit of a shadow of how we now lay our lives down. We're no longer uh, taking animals out of the barnyard. We're giving ourselves. Right. And we're giving ourselves for a lifetime, day by day, night by night, as long as we're walking through this world. Hmm. But in the same way as Abram made that sacrifice in an ancient world, and we make a sacrifice of ourselves, being a living sacrifice, as it were, there are these birds of prey. And Brinkle saw in that an illustration of how the enemy of our souls is always going to try and compromise mm, for sacrifice. Wow. I mean, so if you can see Abraham with these animals uh, on the rock altar and the vultures coming down, I mean, a vulture is kind of an ugly sounding yeah. word, isn't it? Because yeah. it represents a scavenger, someone who takes what is not theirs. Opportunist. Uh, opportunist. Yes. yes. And, and you can just imagine the claws of the vulture swooping down on the right. flesh. I mean, it's an ugly, ugly picture. And yet that's exactly what happens in the present day. When you make a decision that you want the pure love of God and that you want to be animated yourself by that love, the enemy of our souls is going to try and swoop in and pick you apart. Right. I mean, can you see the claws? Yeah. So how does that happen? Well, when he says, you know what, who do you think you are? Right. You're you're not worthy to be a sacrifice to God, you loser. Right. Right. That is a vulture sent from hell to try and pull apart your sacrifice. Mm. Wow, what an illustration. Maybe it's the devil saying to you, you know what, that whole Bible thing is nuts. That is completely beyond the pale, an ancient, worthless book. Why do those Neanderthals, those dinosaurs and their thinking, those people who have no brains, still pay attention to that? Well, guess what? That is a vulture right. coming in to pick apart your sacrifice. And I can think of so many, and, and, and one that just uh, popped into my head was even in the, in the way of giving, whatever your uh, thought is in, in giving in the church, tithing, charitable giving, you know, there's always a moment where it, the rubber kind of meets the road in that when you have to have a conversation with your wife or you have to decide, what am I going to give? And boy, I tell you, at that time, you feel like you're making a sacrifice to God, and and it should be out of love. But the enemy is so prone to come in at that time and go, "How can you do this? This is not right. This is just something for the church to so that they can get air conditioning or the pastor's car." I mean, there's so many of these vultures that come in that give us the opportunity to to really not do the sacrifice instead of standing firm and swishing them away. Just you know, flee. We have to stand on what we know to be true. Sometimes the vultures might come in in the form of a temptation. Absolutely. You know what? You don't really have to live this life. Why don't you just uh, imbibe a little uh, like everybody else? Why don't you just, you know, it doesn't make that much difference. Or, you know, that God of yours is so forgiving, he'll, you'll get over it. So just go do what you want on your own terms. We'll worry about the outcomes later. Right. I mean, that's a vulture trying to right. pick apart your sacrifice. I mean, at so many levels... Hell does not want you to succeed and wants to rob you of that pure life. But in the story of Abram, just like our story today, 
how does he respond to the vultures? He is alert. Right. He recognizes them. And what does he do? Yeah, he gets them out of there. He, he gets them out. That's right. He waves them off. He, waves he them fights off. them off. He, he says, you're not touching this sacrifice. This is holy to the Lord. And folks, I'm telling you, when the vultures are swirling over your head and they're trying to reach for your heart and your will that you've surrendered to God, you're going to have to fight back. Mm. You're going to have to literally stand up and say, no way. Right. You're not touching this because the sacrifice of myself I'm making it's holy to God, right. and he is receiving it as a holy gift, and he is going to clothe me and empower me with his pure love so that I can live life abundantly. Don't let the vultures rob you of that. That's right. And that is the story of a lifetime, because mm-hmm. you know what? You'll wave those birds off for a while, yep. and then you'll have some peace. Mm-hmm. And guess what? One will come back, yeah. maybe reaching for a different piece of flesh, mm-hmm. but there'll be another another wave, but you can also have confidence. The devil cannot have you if you are committed to being a living sacrifice for God. Mm. He can intimidate you. He can whisper in your ear. He can try and bruise you, but he cannot have you if you will just stand up and say, no, Right. I am in command of my life and I give my life to God. That's it. Wow. There is so much there. And mm. Bringle wrestled with this because he was a smart guy who spent the rest of his life after his experience with the Holy Spirit outdoors one day, and he was clothed as kind of pure love. He spent the whole rest of his life trying to help others understand and appreciate it, even as he grew deeper. But there were many temptations and many difficulties, and his wife was lost and was very ill, and he had many hardships and trials, and there were so many things that sought to detour him, but he would not. Mm. He would not let the way in which the world unfolded around him or what people said or challenged or dared him to do, he would not let that rob him of the sacrificial gift of his life. He lived long and well and inspired many to find that pure love. And that's our prayer for you too, living today, listening today. That's my prayer for myself and I think Jay shares it. Mm -hmm. We want to live in this pure love and be at peace with our maker and consequently instruments of salt and light and life for everyone around us. Mm-hmm. Oh, but how do you get there? I mean, what to do? It all sounds so good, Jim. I know that some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, there is a way. And you can start right now by praying with us. Prayer is not some ritual exercise. It's not just some kind of formula. It is a powerful channel that opens up between you and heaven. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever's in your head, no matter what vultures are swirling about, know this. Right now, pray with us and God will here. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you understand all the challenges of life because you came into this world in the person of your Son, and you walked on the same dirt that we walk on. You had the same jostling in the crowd as we do. You had temptations like we have had. You understood life, and you shared it with us, and you triumphed over this world, and you call us to the same. And we're thankful, Lord, that you have empowered us to be able to brush away the vultures that we can ourselves resist those birds of prey and that they can flee if we are committed to presenting ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. We admit, Lord, we are powerless by ourselves to get there. And we are not worthy to be accepted by you, but we admit that Jesus Christ is Lord and he has given his life that we might live and that he now lives again and that in that knowledge, we surrender ourselves to you and ask that your Holy Spirit will flood us and fill us and own us Mm. and give us 
a kind of pure love that will just ooze out of us to everyone we meet. Along the way, Lord, help us to resist the vultures. Don't let hell rob us of that life. May we be confident and sure-footed. And for everyone, Lord, who is joining me in this prayer right now, I pray before seven days pass, they will know absolutely and beyond all doubt that you have loved them and will fill them and empower them. Mm -hmm. We pray, Lord, with confidence. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen. Amen. All right, what next? Give us a call. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're by the phone. We want to hear from you. This is the number. Write it down. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're by the phone. We do want to hear the sound of your voice. But Jay, I know that some people may be a little reluctant to call, would prefer maybe to check us out online. What's our web address? And that's totally acceptable to go online, Jim, and go to www.cbhviewpoint.org. And that's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's what we're about here, hope. We're broadcasting it because we're Christians. CBH, Viewpoint. You can read about the ministry there. You can send us an email. We will reply. Or, at the last, if you want to just use surface mail, write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, L-Y-O-N, at Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. That's Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Let us walk side by side with you as you grasp, reach for, and enjoy some pure love. Jay Harvey, so glad to be with you always. Oh, thanks for having me. And I'm so blessed. I'll never read that verse uh, the same way again. That was awesome. I'm with you. That's uh, the gift of Brengel to us. Yes. And we are so thankful that you joined us also listening this week. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to try and help you see your world from heaven's view, even as we see our own. And for all of us at the Viewpoint team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.